All right, here we are. Ah, it's so inspiring. Every time. I never get tired of this. Probably a year from now, I'll be really tired of this, but right now, I'm not tired of it. Uh, Welcome to the Unified CXM Experience, and as always, I'm your host, Grad Khan, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Jordan Newhauser. He's the CMO at Truly Audio, and we've got a great story and some really interesting uh, lessons, I guess, on listening to your customers and how... You hear things you would never expect to hear. It's it's a it's a really fantastic story. So I'm I'm kind of excited to uh, put this together and uh, show this to all of you today. Now, if you're watching us on video, I realized as I was looking at I was looking at the video of one of the other podcasts the other day, I have inadvertently added a co-host to the show, and and I I think I might have mentioned it, but I'm just going to have to point out that just over my uh, my uh, right shoulder here, uh, just in the back corner there, you'll see a teddy bear. And that's the teddy bear I've had since I was a few months old. And that teddy bear has seen it all. Um, it's actually wearing the collar from my first cat, Punky. And it's got uh, redone paws and snout uh, that my grandmother did. And he's wearing a pair of pajamas that my mom made for him. So uh, there's a lot of emotion packed <laughs> into that little ball of fur and fabric. But uh, he's uh, looks I put him on the shelf because I recently got him back. He'd been... Um, uh, being well well cared for, but in a, a different location for the last few years, and now I've got him back, and so he's just kind of looking out. I thought he'd like to see the action. So uh, if you need to say hello to Teddy, uh, I might think about ways of pulling him into the show at some point. Maybe we'll do a whole interview with him. But today we're doing uh, an interview with Jordan. So Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. How you doing? By the way, your choice of mics is excellent. You obviously have good taste in mics, so. Uh, <laughs> Oh, very cool. I'll be sure MV7 fans out there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Supporting the uh, the local, uh, but also big Sure fan. So, yes, I love. I feel like I'm looking at myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what are you doing for your cans? What are the headphones on? They are also Sure. Uh, I actually oh, bought it as a okay. kit. Uh, while I do have other headphones that I DJ with and I have in-ear monitors, uh, these I use for... When I'm in conference calls or Teams meetings, Zooms, things like that. Yeah, I got the AKGs, which are kind of studio professional ones. I find that just I wear these for like 10, 15 hours a day sometimes. So I need something that's comfortable. But these have been, these, I love these ones because they've got these like really big pads on them. I look a little bit like Princess Leia, but AKG um, is great. They're, they're great. Yeah, they're awesome. And of course you DJ, by the way. Like um, Before we get into all this stuff, I, we didn't even talk about that before. That's so awesome. So what kind of DJ are you? I, I think you know, I got to do that. I got to be like a DJ CMO. That's like that. That is a cool, that is a cool positioning. So talk to me about your DJ life. Today it's a hobby. Uh, but when I was 14, I had started a company called Boom Entertainment. Uh, I, nice. I'm an advisor now. I've sold that company. Uh, but okay. we revolutionized the high school dance and uh, created a tour. Uh, and through that process, uh, I was a DJ. It was it was my early years of listening, uh, should I say, hmm. um, because that that's what ultimately drove a successful event. Right, was connecting with your crowd, engaging with them, keeping them there till the end. Uh, and really understanding what it is that they wanted. And it was something that I did a really good job at, loved it. It was really fun. Uh, but then ultimately scaled the organization, stepped off the stage uh, when I was 22, 
uh, and, and continue to run that until uh, I was sought out by my CEO who I have today at Truly Audio. That's really cool. Do you have like a signature DJ move, like a fist pump or like something with this? Or what's your, do you have like a, a stage move that sort of people go, oh yeah, that's Jordan. I do get excited when I start to, uh, to dance on stage. Uh, so I, I definitely do get, uh, I get excited. I dance behind the DJ booth quite often. Uh, even nice. if it's just myself in my basement and I'm doing a recording, uh, which I've done a bunch of times due to the pandemic. Uh, now that it's a hobby, I have a setup in the basement. And so even if it's just myself, I will find myself dancing in the basement. <laughs> That's cool. And what, in what way did you revolutionize the high school dance? What was the... So when I was a high school student, uh, students, they would attend their dance and then they would, they would leave immediately after taking their photo. There was nothing memorable about the experience. And walking okay. into a dark gym with a couple balloon arches wasn't anything that said, Hey, I want to stay here for three hours. Right. Mm. And, and so in, instead of continuing to go to the events or, or not, and go to a basement and do things that no one really wants to participate in, I really wanted to stay away from, I was like, let me change this. I see this as a, a an opportunity. And so I approached my high school and said, let me DJ this dance. Uh, let me bring in the production. I'm confident I can get more students to show up and get them to stay until the end. Because they didn't care about how big or how powerful your sound was or how many lights you brought. Their objective was student engagement. Right. And so I knew as a student, at least I thought I did at the time I was young and dumb, but, uh, I thought that I could do that better than anyone, but through learning and, and through, you know, continual trial, uh, we ended up revolutionizing the homecoming and just bringing, you know, 90% attendance to an event from school population, which was unheard of. And then the winter dance failed because schools had horrible branding around their, the, the event, they didn't have the resources to, to promote and market a, a, an event during the null of a, of a school year. And so we created a tour called Winterfest uh, that helped students market, put together teams, uh, and, and really overcome the challenges that they face today inside of high schools uh, and, and bring a solution inside of their schools that they can't get anywhere else. And and it, was, and it was incredible. It ultimately sold out uh, and, and then the pandemic hit. At that point, I was just an advisor to the company, but it was still very exciting to see and to, to watch it grow. And I know still as an active advisor, I, I know they have big plans for the future and it will be exciting to see what that, what that turns wow. into. That's a great story. I love stories like that. There's, a, there's like so many people who... Um, go on to be very successful in life have got sort of an origin story like that where they started relatively young, saw a need, you know, built a business, you know, turn it into something and then they keep laddering up. So, okay. So let's, uh, I could talk about that all day, but let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> so tell, tell us a little bit about your current gig, your CMO at Truly Audio. Tell us a little bit about Truly and what you're doing because you've got some pretty interesting stuff going on there. And then, uh, I think what we want to do is queue up this idea of you've already kind of foreshadowed a little bit in your comments you're making. I thought that was very clever, by the way, the way you wove in the theme of the show into your DJ story. I was 
I noticed that. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Thank so, you. Thank you. But I want to talk a little bit about this idea of listening uh, to customers and how you use that to influence the marketing plan. So t- talk to us a little bit about the current gig and then uh, bring everyone up to speed on what's going on there. And um, and then make sure you tell everyone what the URL is and where they can go buy the products because you know we've got a bunch of people <laughs> listening and it's always good to sell more. Absolutely. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, but to, to begin, uh, you know, as CMO at, at Truly Audio, uh, and that is T-R-U-L-L-I, um, we can talk more about how we came up with that name uh, later. But uh, my CEO, uh, Len Foxman, 77 years old, amazing individual, uh, sought me out to, to help take their global IP uh, and, and bring that to the world. Uh, and the global IP is the, the speaker, the driver itself, what you see behind the grill of a speaker cabinet, what's creating that sound. And so we have the ability to produce more sound, uh, using less power in a smaller space than any of our competition in the world. And in that right there is the special sauce, but we've learned that is it a secret sauce or is it just a special sauce? Like, well, like, is there, is that how, how transparent are you with the underlying theories of the technology that it's a perimeter people believe that it's different? Absolutely. It's a great question, right? It, it's a perimeter driven technology. We flipped the traditional speaker inside out where, where normally it's driven. Like if I were to hold a basketball on my finger, yeah. I can't dribble. I can't spin a basketball on my finger, but if I could, and the challenge part is it's, it's from a single point, right? But I can yeah. hold a basketball using two fingers. And so if you ask me to hold a basketball on one finger and now go up and down, that's definitely not happening, but I could do it using two fingers. And that's essentially what you're doing with a speaker and that cone, that diaphragm to move air and to reproduce sound. And so by moving the motor structure and that voice coil to the perimeter, we are now giving ourselves more motor strength, more power handling. We're able to dissipate that heat better than anyone and do it in a shallower footprint and requiring less power because of the efficiency gains. And, and the, wow. and then there's the rigidity factor. I can literally stand on our speaker. Um, if I stand on someone else's, I'm going to break it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's exciting. That's a really good reason why. Yeah. That's a really good reason why that's well explained. Thank you. Thank you. Do you put, do you have that on the site? Like, is that explained on the site? So we're working, there are some, References on the site to our perimeter-driven technology, absolutely, uh, because as soon as we launched, we were getting questions from early adopters as to how to talk uh, about that and how to explain that. And we're doing that even further. Mm-hmm. We're doing more of that today, right? We create all of our content in-house, so that's exciting. Um, but uh, the challenge, though, of having that driver technology is that most individuals don't consume or purchase just the driver or the speaker itself. They buy the full solution, something they can easily connect to. And so it was a real challenge for us to think about, well, how are we going to enter the market? How are we going to create a family of products and solutions that are going to solve real problems in, in individuals, musical lifestyles today. And, and that then creates a, a larger TAM, right? It also allows for a larger impact uh, to individuals' 
personal lives. And that's what gets me excited and, and, and myself and my team and everyone are truly motivated, um, because it's not just a cool technology, even though we're a heavily, uh, heavily engineered based organization, most individuals in this mm -hmm. company are engineered. I am, I am not an engineer, but I, I definitely try to, uh, speak their language to the best of my ability. And can you say you're like a party engineer? <laughs> I am a, from your DJ background. Sure. Sure. I like that. I, I like mean, that. I think it works. I mean, just say, I'm an engineer too. I engineer parties. People like may say momentarily, maybe that's not engineering, but then they'll also say that sounds really cool. I love it. I love it. I'm definitely stealing that. <laughs> So, so, so the challenge was how do we create that pipeline? And so we, we yeah. do have our first product in market today. Uh, Congratulations. And thank you. And I think you launched it recently, right? It's just a few months ago, just a few months ago while we've been developing, not just the technology we do, uh, over 60% of our parts are from the U S we do the, we do most of the manufacturing mm -hmm. and assembly just an hour North of where I'm at. I'm in Evanston. We do it in Mundelein. So just North of Chicago. And oh, that's great. And so it's, that's also part of the ramp up for us and, and the infrastructure that we had to build out when thinking about going to market. And so there's a lot in motion at the moment at the company. So we're really, really excited and really proud of what we've done so far and, uh, and definitely keep an eye out. And there's a teaser on the website about what's coming. And, uh, and that one is going to be a real disruptor. That's great. That's very cool. Thank you. That's a great description. By the way, I just want to tell you that um, I don't think I can hold a basketball even with two fingers. I think <laughs> I'm probably a 10-finger basketball person, so you're, you're way ahead of me there. Um, you know, Evanston is um, very near and dear to my heart. My uh, oldest daughter went to school there and, and went to Northwestern uh, for communications, uh, where she did a musical theater degree. And it was a great experience for her, you know, set her up for a career that she's pursuing. She's on tour right now with Come From Away. She's a music director, so it's all worked out amazing. It's fantastic. Um, but I will say, I mean, I was in Evanston a lot. I used to see her a fair amount and fly in. I miss Evanston. I miss all the little, there's that, is that grilled cheese place still there? What was that called? There's a place that just serves grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> it's like classic sort of student, you know, and there's the place with the concrete ice cream. Yes. And then there's like, there's, yeah, you know what I'm talking about there. And then there's uh, the place that the pie place that's a little bit further south. That, Absolutely. Like, there's some really great places in it. Yeah, really great places in Evanston. So it's a, it is a great town. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Yes. So you've had a chance to see some of these uh, shows, actually. So I really appreciate that, by the way. Love not, it. Not all, not all guests do that. Uh, and so you know what we're talking about generally is this whole move from broadcast, sort of one-way communications that was the hallmark of the 20th century to one-to-one uh, -one communications, uh, typically through platforms like Twitter and Reddit and Facebook and other things like that. Um, that's sort of the hallmark of the 21st century. Uh, the difference, though, is that the one-to-one -one communications we're doing today are at scale. And so, uh, you know, it's been, the term has been coined, um, mass one-on-one, -on -one, which I love that term. And so I tend to use that a lot. So you're running a true mass one-to-one -one system. And one, I guess one advantage you may, you may push back on this because it, it may not be the advantage it seems, but sometimes when you're building something from scratch, and I understand the issues when you're doing that, but sometimes when you're building something from scratch, you can, um, you know, you've got a pure greenfield opportunity to do things the way you want to do them. 
Right? You're, not, Absolutely. you're not trying to fit into legacy systems. And so it sounds like you really took advantage of that. So I'd love you to just for a sec maybe describe your stack, describe the way you sort of thought about building this mass one-to-one system that you're running. And then what I'd love to do is then get into some of the stories of how that's working and the things that you've been discovering as you've done a better job of listening to your customers than maybe many, many other companies do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that I appreciate the question. Um, and I love being able to discuss that with someone that gets it right. Uh, so to begin the objective, the challenge, uh, from my CEO was how are we going to build an engine that enables us to go after direct to consumer, go after B2B, just have one-to-one relationships with people. Right. And your CEO said that. Well, he outlined the channels in which he he wanted to charge after, right? And so then the challenge yeah. was, well, how do we do that at scale, right? He clearly right. recognized the opportunity in the market and nice. and asked me to be part of it. And I love that and saw this as the next step. And And so then it was, okay, well, today coming from a small business that I had you know, 20 plus technologies running, but they were all SMB level tools. I knew where the ceilings of those tools were. And so right away Mm. walking in and having learned from some of those, uh, you know, hurdles and challenges and just honest mistakes that you make when you're young and bringing that to life. And those tools, you know, were very young and immature at its time as well. Now it's like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to think about not just marketing, not just sales, not just care. What does engagement look like? How are we going to push our content out there? What are those hurdles that we face as an organization to be real time with our customer the way they expect it? And that's a real challenge as a small group. Like you said, we have to build this infrastructure and then also do the work. And so really taking on the challenge of where do we want to end up a few years post launch? And now how do we start there? Because the idea of a migration, Mm. oof, that's going to derail the momentum that we're building. And so it's really critical for us to, to set a pace that we can keep right now, turn on the channels, start our data layer and our data foundation, make sure everything is flowing to be expected because that is not easy to get running at an enterprise level um, with, a, with a small group of people. And, and so once we can get past that, which is still a work in progress, uh, to, to really have it operating fully, uh, knowing that all inbound channels are coming into Sprinkler, right? Today, we are fully on Adobe Experience Manager. We're organizing our audiences using Audience Manager. We have Target. We have Adobe Analytics. We have Visible. We're running Marketo um, and, and Magento, which is now Adobe Commerce. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then we were on Zendesk, and we actually migrated to Sprinkler, uh, and, and we're using a lot of the sprinkler care modules, uh, to, to, to ensure that we can be in one browser, uh, from our care and community mm-hmm. and engagement standpoint. Um, and, and so today it, it's really helpful because as a small team, 
how do we understand and, and observe and then be able to react quickly? Well, stitching that data together to be able to understand and be able to react is a challenge. So the fewer systems that we have to do that in and, and already have it set up on the back end through API just works to our advantage. And so while that, that took years to get in place um, and while simultaneously building that foundation, we were listening uh, and, and I really like to call out, there's two sides of listening. There's, there's social listening and then there's review level listening, which to me is totally a different experience. Uh, and that was helping us craft our editorial and our, and our look and our feel and how we're going to be different, but also our product and our features and the requirements for our product family. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of, uh, uh, parallel worlds, but it was, but understanding and being able to lay that out, as you said, and having that open field initially, then allowed us to look at the real requirements up front and, and then make those challenging choices, knowing that, yeah, that's going to be a longer learning curve and it's going to take more to build and get running. But once we do, then we can just market and, and sell and communicate and engage and do what we do best versus uh, having to operate in silos and, and continuing to build our teams then in silos. And so while we're trying to break the barrier for the customers between the sound they deserve and that portable ecosystem, I'm trying to also break those barriers inter in, internally because I've never been part of a big corporate organization. And so I come from a small environment where we have big and large ambitions. And so I do believe that these tools can give us those abilities um, once you have them, you know, fully operating and then have the right resources to manage them. Uh, I, I think it's the sky's the limit. So it's exciting. It's, it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, but it's, you can tell. Yeah. It's great. And, and so obviously, um, Sprinkler and the universe of Sprinkler is a big part of what we do, knowing that engagement is is on the forefront of, of dealing with our customers, right? And so, yeah. yeah. I, I just love the way you put that. It was really well thought through. I, I also really like the focus on Adobe products. You know, we, we Sprinkler works really well with that Adobe stack, and we kind of co-sell and go to market with them together all the time. So um, I think you're right. Fewer integrations is the right way to go, but also the right integrations uh, is another sort of important consideration. Okay, so you've got this system in place. I know you're still building it and things are going to, are still happening, um, but you're starting to learn stuff too. So yes. uh, let's, let's, uh, you shared a couple stories with me which blew my mind. <laughs> and, uh, and just for the folks that are listening, the, this is the thing that I think that makes marketing cool. So people who've been in marketing for a long time generally devolve to a point of view where they become one of two people. Uh, old, uh, old timey marketers either become so, um, so insecure uh, in the constant turmoil of marketing that they choose a path of pretending they know everything. So we all know those people. And then there's another, another group of people who become so insecure because of the constant turmoil of marketing. And I guess that, that's a constant that never changes um, that they learn how to become scientists. And, and Jordan's a scientist. And so, and then the, and the key to science, I think is, you know, to have hypotheses, but to be, you know, 
cheerfully throw them out the window when they don't work out. Right? And, and I, I don't, I don't like to talk about failure. It's, it's, I've never been able to make that word work with a team. Um, but I find hypotheses work pretty well because you can test a hypothesis. And if it doesn't work out, well, then, you know, we've learned something. That's a good, that's good. That's a good day. And we'll have a new hypothesis and we've got this learning that we can put against the wall. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about what you've been learning. And uh, as you're listening to Jordan's story, um, just think in advance or think as you hear them, whether you could have in advance predicted the comments that these people make. Uh, I think that, that, cause it, I, and I think that's the cool thing about marketing is that people will make comments that are completely orthogonal to what you were thinking. You never in a million years expected to say that, but when you hear it, it's not crazy. And that's, that, that to me has always been the thing about marketing that's been so interesting is that I would never have guessed someone would say that. And I totally get why they said that. And that, and then you, when you find that combo, it is, that is magic. But anyway, so Jordan, take us, take us through your story. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we launched, uh, right before Q4, literally a few days before Q4 of, of 2021. And we had put together you know, we shot a bunch of content and, you know, based on our initial research and the fact that we're a portable product, we focused on outdoors and we found that many people talk about Makes music sense. outdoors. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we shot a bunch of, including a photo of a, a speaker on a bicycle. And that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> we, it, it was as if we, we, we hit someone with the bicycle. I'm not sure what we, you know, but the, 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 the response was that we were polluting the airways. How would you ever consider that? And, and I'm not going to say the, the, the horrible comments, it's not appropriate, but how we had to hide those comments, not delete them. Of course, that was a process we had to figure out, but, but we were just taken back by, by the, the negative feeling and it, it, it that that individuals have about playing music out loud in a public setting specifically thinking about a bicycle on a bicycle path and 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 then we took a second and we're like okay we understand but at the same time right we were like well are we going to fight that are we just going to always hide comments forever is that is do we, do we want our customers to have to filter through that noise when right. trying to engage with a post they actually want to engage with? We can't ignore the outdoors. People do enjoy music outdoors, and something we pride ourselves on at Truly is listening out loud. We use podcast, we use headphones for podcasts right now. We were talking about your AKGs, my shirts, but I love them for this situation. But the the idea of communal listening that that experience mm. is something that mm. you will never forget. You might forget the mm. song, but you're not going to forget the moment and who you were with. And so while I responded personally to that post, um, because I do have a jam five attached to my handlebars and I did a thousand. Ooh, I, you're one of those people. Okay. I am one of those people <laughs> and I ride at full and my four year now, four year old son, we did 1000 miles last year on the bicycle. Wow. That's awesome. And we ride behind cause he goes to school. Uh, he goes to Caravalli, right? Right. Uh, south of Northwestern. And we would ride behind Northwestern every morning. And one morning we rode behind Northwestern and there was a lady walking and we had a rock song playing. I don't even remember the rock song to the point I just said, but she starts fist pumping 
And my son and I join in and we were just like, yes. And it, it was a moment that we shared because we were listening out loud. Um, I also think it's safer to listen to a speaker that way while on a bicycle versus having yeah. headphones in. But that's a different story. But and then I, I feel that with Springsteen. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you I feel think that might have been Springsteen. <laughs> Fist pump, yeah. That my you know, mother, USA, my mother-in-law think... swears she lost her hearing at a Bruce Springsteen concert. She loves Bruce. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, but, but we ultimately then modified how we, how we talked about the outdoors. You know, we just recently made a post, I think it was yesterday or the day before about, uh, the, we showed a, a photo of the jam five sitting outdoors, but we didn't talk specifically about outdoor listening. We did in the hashtag, but not specifically in the copy and the caption, no backlash. In fact, we had a couple of people really relate to it and, and pot and, and, respond very positively. Right. And so it was just a spin and, and how we were able to alter that. But we even did it in real time, uh, back when we initially launched and you can go back and look at our social and, and see how we, how we took that in. Cause there were quite a few comments, uh, and, and it, it was interesting. You will, we hid the bad ones, but it, it has really informed and it taught us, uh, that some of those questions are really valid. Some of those opinions and thoughts to your point, you take a step back and you're like, absolutely. I totally understand where you're coming from. And so how do we approach the market in a way and, and approach the, the real people, uh, that, that we're going after the quote unquote personas, our personas are real people that, that we've worked with. Right. Um, one of them being my mother, we call her gifter Judy. Um, she fits it perfectly. Uh, but the point is, uh, that, that we understand we're not going to satisfy everyone, but at the same time, we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want to create noise on our channel. So how do we overcome those challenges organically through listening? And that was the, that was the hypotheses. And, and I think we did a good job with it and it's still a work in progress. Congratulations. That's great. Um, one of the, the ways that we used to talk about it, at Microsoft is all these comments that we would get. And you can imagine some of the comments we used to get. It was, <laughs> uh, it's a shocking, <laughs> shocking view of humanity. Um, but, uh, we called it graffiti because that's kind of what it felt like. Cause they, you know, scrawled all over our Facebook pages and sent it to I our Twitter accounts and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of graffiti on the internet cause anonymity is, um, maybe not the very best thing in terms of bringing out the best in humans. Um, but, uh, I love that you're responding. Now you're doing something that I really agree with and I really love. I, th I think this is true for all your posts, but you actually sign your engagement posts, right? Anything you do on social is that the person writing it is identified. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And as a small team, we've received some pros and cons on that, right? Um, uh, because you're seeing a lot of the oh, same yeah. name over and over, but at the same time, okay. yeah. we're taking on that challenge and continuing to do that. Um, so you'll see a lot of Victoria's name. You'll see my name a lot. Uh, but we, we try to make it personable and, and we also find that it's easier than to have multiple comments on one post or create a real social thread when it doesn't look like you're commenting with yourself and there's another person just like it would be in real life. So how do we treat social more yeah. like real life? Right. And, and that's from a communication standpoint, I think that's been really helpful, uh, just from a positioning and thought process for us internally, uh, and, and just, 
I don't want to say changing our voice or tone, but just how we, how we effectively communicate on social. Would you, would you, I don't know, this is a, this may be a ridiculous question, but as real life quotation marks has become more virtual, have you seen a change in the way that people interact in the virtual world that's becoming more real life? Are they coming together and is that changing the way people interact with you? So what I've seen, um, from my perspective now, take it with a grain of salt. I have a couple of kids, four and one. So I've been pretty indoors for, for a while now, but when talking with, <laughs> with my network and, and listening and just studying, uh, I have found that when individuals are coming together, those gatherings are in greater numbers, but the idea of how to socialize and how to, how to party with each other, how to hang out with right. each other. Um, so at a young age or, or, or old, everything in between, it doesn't matter. Um, there is a new learning curve. There is a hesitation. There is a, there's an, there's, it, and, and of course it depends, you know, where you are, but regardless, it has changed the way we socialize and the way we come together, especially with the common denominator of music underneath of it. There, there's just, there's new rules, there's new ways of hanging out. Um, and, and it, and it changes it. And so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, but I think the need for music and the need for listening out loud, uh, is, and the, and the communal is more than ever, uh, because it's not the same when, when you're, you're having a DJ play and you have your team all cheering and coming together, having a drink or, you know, a, a cup of tea and, and everyone's hanging out together. It, yes, it is a good feeling through the screen, but it is not quite the same as when you were in person for those special moments. Right. Um, right. So not every moment is required, but some of those special moments you, you kind of miss being in person for. Yeah. I just, I just, um, that's very, very insightful. And it's this blend. I think this it's the word hybrids being used a lot lately. And I think we're going to see more of that. And asynchronous has become like a big word in everyone's vocabulary. I have a, a, a niece who's, um, 10 and, uh, I said, what are you doing today? And she's, I'm, working on my async work. I said, your async work? He says, yeah, the school work that's async. It's like, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I noticed you said you had a one-year-old. Yes. So, so that just, uh, so this is a, a child born within the confines of the pandemic, which is kind of interesting. Yes, sir. So this actually represents, uh, another, another one of my many thousands of, uh, failed predictions. So when the pandemic started, I said, oh boy, there's going to be a huge baby boom coming out on the other end of this because everyone's at home all the time. That's proven to be not true at all. In fact, it's been quite the opposite. I don't know if you've seen these stats, but you know, people uh, spent less time making babies, even though they were together all the time, than when they weren't together all the time, which I just find fascinating. My hypothesis uh, want to aligned with yours. I know. Well, I want to thank you for supporting my hypothesis. So congratulations on the, <laughs> on the new child. And uh, thanks for being like, you know, at least one person got busy out there. I mean, come <laughs> on, everybody. What's, what are you thinking? Anyway, um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about something you teased at the beginning, the name Truly. Where did it come from? That's a great question. Uh, so originally, when I came into the company and our, our parent 
company name and legal uh, trademark name is Eagle Acoustics Manufacturing LLC, right? Just like Subway and many other companies, they have a hidden parent name. And, right, and that right. wasn't a great name from a search engine optimization, memorable, uh, just feeling connected. And, and what's the story, right? And, and so yeah. I was faced with that challenge and, and ultimately went to Len and said, Len, we need to do something about our name. We, connect, we can't own Eagle. That's already established by others. And, uh, and like the country we live in. And like the country we live in. So, <laughs> uh, although fun, fun fact, yes. did you know that, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, um, the, the Eagle has not been the symbol of America for very long. It's a relatively recent kind of last century thing, hmm. but Teddy Roosevelt was wildly opposed to the Eagle being our national symbol. Hmm. And can you guess why? Uh, the, the fierceness, I don't know. Maybe he enjoyed that of us. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't The Eagle is a carrion eater. Oh, so, and so he saw the Eagle as being like, the Eagles are not distinctly different from vultures. And so, uh, which many would argue, many would argue should be the bird. And, uh, and so the, he saw the Eagle as like just like a dirty animal and not something that was really reflected the majesty of the country. And Teddy Roosevelt was a, a famous naturalist and established the national park system and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. he wanted to have something that sort of represented that, that the beauty and the majesty of America and, and through its parks and through the, the, the wildlife. And so can you uh, guess, I know we're sort of off topic, I'll come back to Julie in a second, <laughs> but can you guess uh, what he wanted the national uh, animal to be? Ooh. The national animal. Yeah, Something not the that, eagle. He wanted it to be a. Ooh, uh, that's challenging. If he had an issue, he with, spent a lot of time in Yellowstone. Yeah, I was going to say a bear, like a friendly bear. Yes, bingo. No way. Huh. That's it. Yeah, you hit it. <laughs> you hit it. Right on the money, baby. Yeah, that's it. He wanted to, so, which is interesting because that's sort of the symbol of Russia. Now, yeah, uh, and that was uh, that's also a 20th century in, invention as well. So anyway, yeah, the American symbol was almost the bear. Wow, didn't know that. So interesting. Yeah, and uh, Teddy back here, he's like he's silently smiling. Right? He's like, <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. Uh, all right. So back to Chile. So yeah, you got it. You, you can't own eagles. So I get it. So and um, and I totally. Uh, that's a that's an interesting point. And so I, I love that story. But uh, Len's original family's last name was Truly. Uh, his family came from Italy. Oh, really? And when and most people don't <gasps> most people don't know this. So I, I know you have thirty plus thousand followers now. So we'll see what happens. But um, that is our company That's name. Cool. That is our company name now. And 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 uh, and so it's a great name. Yeah. And so when he came here, or his family came here, um, Italians weren't. Uh, fully accepted yet the, and and so they had a change like any uh, every ethnic group that's ever entered the United absolutely, States absolutely <laughs> absolutely and so they every group gets its turn being you know incredibly discriminated against and that's unbelievable absolutely yeah, got it. and so they yeah. ended so up what did they change it to they ended up taking foxman which was uh oh wow the, okay. the yeah that's different it was the name uh, it was the grandmother, uh, I believe, or, or great grandmother. Uh, that was her last name, so they went with her last name instead of his mm -hmm. last name, and then it stuck ever since. But 
most people didn't know that. And I started looking it up and, and I believe his, his great grandfather was part of designing the original truly hut. And that when you look up truly, it represents the hut and the roof of the truly homes in truly, which is a city in Italy. And, and so I was like, Len, we were, we were literally out to lunch one day. And I said, I need a month to figure this out one week into it. He says, I need your, I need your answer now. And I was like, of course, <laughs> one week I need, I said four, which is a little aggressive, uh, to come up with a company name. That's going to be lifeless or, or forever timeless. And, uh, and, and I said, I said, please, please don't, don't overreact. I don't know how you're going to react to this. And I said, truly. And, and everyone just looked at me and he said, I love it. I love it. I, I, sh oh, wow. I, that's I should have thought of that. Story. I should have thought of that. And, and That's so, a great story. And that was it. Wow. And it's such a wonderful name because there's so much, because it sounds like a word, truly. Yeah. There's so much you can, and a very positive word, right? Yes. You know, it's yes. truly this, truly that. Like, it's like truly is never used in a negative context. And you can freight it with all sorts of meaning over time. You know, it's like, the audio is true to this. Like it's it's a very very good name. That's a fascinating story, and the I assume the domain was available. So truly dot com is is owned by a hotel chain in in truly okay. Italy. If they're listening, I've reached out to you. I've tried to purchase this domain from you. You <laughs> please let me buy your they, business. They have it for sale <laughs> on their domain uh, or on a domain for sale, and they were looking for a partnership, and they weren't looking to just unload the domain. But we do have truly audio. Dot com, uh, and hopefully one day we could get the domain, of course. Well, you know, it could be kind of fun, like fill the hotel with Truly Devices, do a little partnership Absolutely. There. We could put, it'll be like Shinola, right? They started as a watch mm -hmm. company, now they mm -hmm. have a hotel chain. Yeah, could be neat. All right, well, that is that is a really great story. And, and this whole this whole episode has been fantastic. And Jordan, I want to thank you. Uh, we're going to draw it to a close now. Is there anything else you want to add in or anything you want to put a bow on? Or any corrections you want to make? <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I've loved the time together. Uh, hopefully we can do it again. Uh, thank you, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Grad. All right. Well, I'm going to close now, Jordan, and I want to thank you. Uh, I know this is a big commitment of time, and I really appreciate you coming on. We'd love to actually reach out and do a customer story with you uh, that we can sort of put on our site as well because it's such a great story. The idea that social listening can sort of transform a company uh, and make it operate more consumer centric way is, is they just, those are great stories and they're always great stories. Um, and thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, I'm, uh, today I've been with Jordan Newhauser. He is the CMO of truly audio. Uh, look up their devices. They've just launched. It's a revolutionary new sound system and it sounds like some really cool stuff is coming as well, which is, uh, you know, Jordan, let us know by the way, when the new stuff gets launched and we'll, Make sure we make a note of that uh, on the show. Absolutely. And uh, for the Unified CXM Experience, uh, I'm Grad Khan, uh, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.